It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Well, another year is coming to a close, and that means many of the financial strategies that you need to use before December 31st are also going away. So on today's episode, we're going to talk through the action steps that you need to take before the year end. We'll give you our top five and more in this hour. And more is questions from you, fans of the show. We appreciate that. You can reach out to us, submit a question in a few different ways. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can submit questions right there on the website. They turn into emails, go directly to me, and go in the queue. We'll hit later. Or most most questions come through social media. You can find us wherever you're at. Just search the Wise Money Show. YouTube channel gets a lot of traction. We have a lot of content there, and you can submit questions on any of those shows. We'll hit it here. Okay, so yeah, it seems like... All this supply chain malarkey, uh, supply chain malarkey, you just have to start everything sooner, right? If you're going to yeah. get anything done, you've got to start it sooner. And so we do normally in December talk through, all right, what are the action steps that you need to take in your finances before the year is up? And we're starting that a little extra early this year to give you ample time because ultimately the, the Wise Money Show is about comprehensive financial planning, as geeky as that sounds. And one of the most important parts of your comprehensive financial plan of the six areas is tax planning and doing a proactive tax projection, proactive tax planning. And, and you know, talking about this was still a month left in the year. You still have time to do that proactive tax plan, tax projection, if you haven't done so. But we've got our five, our top five uh, action steps that you need to consider doing or you need to do in your finances before the end of the year. We're going to run through those right now. The first one is sort of a perennial, but I'm telling you this uh, because I'm doing more Roth conversions this year than I have in previous years. Yeah. Is it just me? Nope. Nope. So I you've got to, that too. you've got to consider doing a Roth conversion. So guys, explain the Roth conversion again and why maybe we're doing more of them this year. Well, this is kind of a, an annual public service announcement, isn't it? At the end yeah. of the year, as we're winding down, we're always reminding you, don't just pass on this uh, opportunity. This strategy needs to be something that you consider every single year. might not mean that you do it every year, but you at least need to give it a, a good look. And the reason is this, is, this is your chance to move some money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, which is a taxable event. That, that's moving money that hasn't been taxed potentially to an account that is after tax and can grow tax-free forever. And we love the, the, the magic that happens over a lot of years of growth inside of a Roth IRA. So we're always encouraging you to do this. But the point is this maneuver of, of shifting dollars from one account to the other, it does create income on your tax return. And you might want to do that if you know that you're in a lower tax bracket this year and you have some room to even go a little higher on your income before you worry about stepping into a higher tax bracket or maybe phasing out of certain tax write-offs or tax credits, 
if you've got room to play in there, now might be the time to go ahead and pay some tax at a lower rate so that you don't have to pay tax at a potentially higher rate in the future. I guess I've seen more folks that we've done a multi-year tax projection. I mean, it, like what's geekier than a tax projection? A multi-year tax projection. <laughs> but I can't remember a meeting that I've done recently where we haven't done that, where we haven't looked out five or six or seven years. And the reason why we're doing that is it because we can, um, you know, we can predict what tax rates will be. No, that we can perfectly predict what your income is going to be. No, but if we can, um, if we can forecast what we know, you mm-hmm. know, what your Social Security is going to be, or you're going to be working this long, and blah blah blah. Um, I mean, I've been able to see. Yep, you're in the 22% tax bracket, and you're going to be here for five, six, seven years, and in some cases, for for folks that are retired, drawing their required minimum distribution. I think you're going to be in 22% tax bracket or higher for good. Yeah. And listen, you still have another 20 grand or 30 grand of income that you could take and stay in this 22% tax bracket. Do you just want to just want to capture that, harness that and 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 then hopefully if tax rates go up, you'll be glad you did or at very least you'll have money growing tax free in the future and more people are jumping on that. Yeah, tax planning is all about identifying opportunities and then selecting the ones that make the most sense for you. So the two ways to get money into a Roth, one is to contribute, and you've got limits on what you can do there. The other is to convert, as Josh was mentioning, and that that creates typically a taxable event. And so as we're talking through this, I'm listening to you guys, I think how many people know where they're going to end up You know, you think about bracketology for the NCAA tournament (laughs) and things like this. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, as financial nerds, we think bracketology as far as what tax bracket am I going to be in. And it's very interesting because we serve a lot of people who are um, in a, a phase of life where they've identified, hey, there's a certain amount of money that I probably am not going to get to in my lifetime. I'm probably not going to spend it. Mm -hmm. And if any of that money is what we would call tax qualified, where there's never been any taxes paid on it, now the game is, okay, well, then who's going to pay the taxes? So if I have a dollar, it's going to get flushed through Washington and Lansing. And so what's left after the the, the great flushing. And so is it and so if you know your your federal tax bracket 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, 37, uh, if you know what your tax bracket is, you can say, hey, where is my tax bracket? What are the tax brackets of the potential beneficiaries of these resources? And and would we be better off having mom and dad pay some taxes today? Or letting that money go eventually to the children when mom and dad are done with it and have them pay taxes. Quite often, it's we're further ahead having mom and dad pay taxes. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, my mom and dad don't pay any taxes, but they have any kind of retirement money, they need to either be paying taxes or be pushing right up to the to the limit where they would begin to pay taxes. Yeah, you've uh, you've struck a sad chord with me because I'm actually watching this with some clients right now. You know, we're, we're talking today about end of the year tax planning, but there's also end of life types of tax planning. Sure. And and that's what, you know, one family that I get to serve is facing where you don't you don't know if this is maybe the last Christmas with mm-hmm. mom or dad, and 
Uh, it, it's the exact you know situation that you were just describing, Kevin, where there's some IRA money out there that if mom passes away and goes down to the next generation, they're going to pay tax at potentially a, a decent rate. Um, mm-hmm. But she could pay today at zero. So to miss that opportunity to let that pass by, I think could be a, a really big issue. Well, and, and if you think about this, the the older folks in Michigan are still grandfathered oh, yeah. in that when they pull money out of the IRA, say traditional IRA, that's never had any taxes paid on, I'm going to pay federal, but not state tax. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you, when that money goes to the kiddos and they pull it out, they will pay federal and state yeah, taxes. Yeah, I think it, just off the top of my head, I think that if your birth year is before 1954 and, and, and then you're able to claim that as sort of tax-free pension or retirement benefits in the state of in the state of Michigan. Thank you, Governor Snyder. Yeah, and if you well, if you live in Indiana, there's no such. Thing and if out mom there. moves it to a Roth IRA, then later on those kids get to take it out tax-free as well. So yeah. you you end up completely avoiding the state tax in a situation like we that. We mentioned that when you do this Roth conversion, most likely it's going to be a taxable event and you're going to need to figure out, well, how do I pay those taxes? Do I withhold against this Roth conversion? Well, that sort of defeats some of the purpose because then you have less money landing in that Roth. Um, and also, if you're under age 59 and a half, that could be penalized. So careful, careful with that. All right, we've got several other items, that and more, coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, what are the steps that you need to take in your finances before the end of the year? Which ones have that 1231 deadline? We're helping you with that. Right now, this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media. Just search the Wise Money Show wherever you are. We are there as well, except for TikTok. We're not going to be there ever. All right. Uh, first one that we said you got to <laughs> consider is uh, is a Roth conversion. And, you know, we trailed off on a really important concept that if you're working with your CFP, you know what? Like, like here, here's the point, guys. If you if you hear us talk about Roth conversion and say, "Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to do that." That's not your first step. Your first step is you need to go talk to your CFP before because because the Roth conversion is going to have implications. Should you withhold taxes? Well, listen. If you're not 59 and a half, you withholding taxes means you're going to have to pay a penalty on those dollars. Okay. Um, and so if you are over 59 and a half, well, could you, do you have other resources to pay the taxes so that you have as much money landing in that Roth IRA as possible? And you've got to watch out for other tax credits that you could be phasing out of. So if you think a Roth conversion makes sense, you got to talk to your CFP first. Connected to that, though, is the second reminder of a deadline, something you've got to take action on before the end of the year. And that is make sure you take your required minimum distribution. And you might say, well, that only applies to folks that are 72 or older. Well, yeah, but also it applies to those of you if you have inherited an IRA or a retirement account. Um, We didn't have to do RMDs last year. They Mm -hmm. were suspended for no apparent reason, (laughs) for no reason at all. You didn't have to do it last year. And I fear a lot of people are just going to be surprised by it, especially those that have an inherited account. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if 
if you just inherited an IRA from a family member and you've essentially now received a pool of dollars that have never been taxed before, they weren't taxed during the prior owner's lifetime. That means they're going to be taxed during your lifetime as you draw off of that account. And, you know, inevitably, every once in a while, someone strolls into our office and they're, they're kind of sharing their financial life with us for the very first time. And they start to tell us about accounts that they've inherited years ago. And we start asking, okay, have you taken your required minimum distribution this year? And Every once in a while, we'll get a blank stare. Well, that, like, it's not just a blank stare. Those eyes get big. Just yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Like, uh, what, wait, what do you mean? And uh, we, we explain that if you inherited an IRA prior to 2020, yep. right, you're under the old rules that say, hey, every year you have to pull a minimal amount out. It's a calculation that has to be redone every single year. You have to pull this amount out of the IRA because the government wants to tax you. And if you fail to do that, the penalty is nasty. It's 50% of the amount that you were supposed to pull out. And then you've got to pay the tax. That's right. That's before you even take the normal lumps. So th this is something that you do not want to miss. Now, we, we keep referring to the old rules, though, because there's a new set of rules in place for those who are inheriting IRAs now and moving forward. And that's under a, a rule called the SECURE Act that basically says, hey, you've got 10 years to get this money out. You don't necessarily have to pull a little bit out every single year over that 10-year period of time. You just have to have it all completely cleared out by the end of that decade. Yeah. I was meeting with someone who'd inherited, whose mom has passed away, uh, sadly, um, this year, and inherited uh, it was about twenty five grand. So not a big IRA, uh, rather large Roth, because we've been doing planning. Um, but... We looked and said, okay, you, well, your income is projected to be the same. She's in her early 30s. So expect your income to be the same for the next 10 years, right? And she, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, then we are going to take about two grand, 2500 mm -hmm. a year out of this thing because we don't want to ever have too much of that income land yeah, in one year. That's right. So, but the point is that you have flexibility. And now, correct. Uh, unfortunately, flexibility means choice. And choice means you've got to make a decision and you want it to be a wise decision. So this is a major planning issue. And it, it goes back to what you were talking about in, in the last segment, why it's so important to be looking at multi-year tax projections right now. Yeah. Figure out, are there some years on the horizon that might be better than others to satisfy this compliance rule of pulling money out of the out of the IRA. So it might make sense to pull it evenly over that 10 years. Maybe you take an extra big chunk this year because you're in a lower tax bracket. The, the point is you figure that out with your certified financial planner. Before we get to the next one, Kevin, can you do a Roth conversion of your required minimum distribution? You cannot. And so that is where we've been doing a lot. And this is where a whiteboard is so much more helpful than the airwaves, because really you look at this, and I just had one of these where their required minimum distribution was 13000 So what we did is we used that to do the withholding to get their taxes paid for the year, uh, federal and state. This, this client lived in Missouri, uh, or misery, however yeah. you say it. Yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah. so, it, it, they, so we used the 13000 that she had to take out to pay the federal and state taxes. But then we went to bracketology and we said, hey, we need you to fill the 12% tax bracket all the way to the top. Yeah. Because the thing, the thing that we didn't mention, and this is an interesting thing, if you lost your spouse this year, 
bracketology matters this year more than ever before because your bracketology changes dramatically next year. Mm -hmm. So there may be an opportunity and I've, I've, I've dealt with this where we said, Hey, we'd been going up to the top of the 12, but we're going to, we're going to hit the top of the 22 this year because we've got two lives to, to do this with, which means the tax brackets are just bigger with two lives. Next year, we only have one. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to, the tax brackets essentially are cut in half. Yep. yep so you cannot convert your required minimum distribution amount, but, but you can convert the amount above that. Above that. Yep. It doesn't mean that when you are forced to do an RMD, you aren't allowed to do Roth. No, that's the Roth conversion. That's not true. So great planning there and love the Love the bracketology, Kevin. That's fantastic. Connected here is this is the third action item that we would tell you you've got to take or at least consider before the end of the year, and that is make a six hundred dollar cash donation to a charity that you care about, whether that's a church, whether that's a different cause. Got to be a five hundred one c three or or nonprofit, but. Why Why would we say you've got to make that cash contribution? Well, that's a relatively new rule here. Uh, in the past, for you to be able to get any kind of tax savings for your uh, charitable contributions, you needed to be itemizing your deductions or filling out a Schedule A on a tax return, if I can throw even more jargon at you. The, the itemized deduction is where you would write off mortgage interest and taxes you pay on your house and to the state and local governments and everything. And mixed in with all that are your charitable giving. Well, these days with such huge uh, standard deductions, like the, the free write-off that the government gives to every married couple or every single individual is large enough that a, a lot of people can't build one better on their own. Ninety-some percent of folks get the take the standard deduction. that's right and so what that the, the the risk that that creates is that if there's no longer a financial incentive for people to give charitably many in congress were worried that oh what if people stop giving to their local church or the food pantry or or whatever and so they gave uh kind of kind of an extra little uh tax savings opportunity for you to give the first $600 worth of cash that goes to a charitable organization, you get to write off on your tax return, even if you're not itemizing your returns. Well, yeah, it only applies if you're not itemizing your returns. And you can't just donate a, a gently used article, you know, yeah. and the reason why they did that is because you'll donate one sweater and say, well, that was $600. <laughs> give me this tax break. No, it's got to be it's got to be cash. Now there's a couple other layers here because if you're if you're in tune you're going to notice that this Roth conversion with RMD and now getting to charitable the, your third action there could be a theme and and so I want to talk about a a qualified charitable donation that and more coming up on the Wise Money show with Corhorn Financial Group This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group Kevin doesn't think I can explain a qualified charitable donation in 30 seconds or less. I think I got it, guys. We're helping you right now with the action steps you need to take in your finances before the end of the year. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. I don't really care where you listen. doesn't matter. But if you're into podcasts, check us out. Search The Wise Money Show, and when you go there, subscribe or rate the show and give us, uh, 
give a comment there as well. We appreciate that feedback. Okay, so the third the third action item, Josh, I can see what you're doing here. You get, you get, <laughs> I've got my stopwatch ready. Actually, time me. Yeah. Right. So hang on. Wait, I'm not tell there me yet. when to go. I'm, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so the third action item that you need to consider taking in your finances is make a donation, and and the we we suggested the universal donation of six hundred dollars cash, because if you don't itemize then as long as you donate at least $600 cash to a charity or nonprofit, you'll be able to get that universal tax deduction, which is no longer above the line, it's below the line, blah, blah, blah. But this idea of donating, if you're age 70 and a half or higher, then you can donate directly out of your IRA and have it go directly to a charity, not to you. Did you say 70 and a half and higher? 70 and a half. It's still 70 and a half. See, oh, Kevin slowed me down. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're allowing yourself to be distracted. Keep going. It no, can no, go no, directly I... to the charity, and that comes out of your IRA tax-free. Bam. Bam. Is, is what? I think people have questions seconds? after no that. No one has it. That was only 20 Kevin, seconds. Only Kevin has questions. <laughs> so that money, instead of having it come out of your IRA, land <sighs> in your pocket, and then you donate it, where you then have to write it off on your taxes, just goes directly from your IRA to the charity. I know, but you're missing the best part. You say, well, you, you donate it and you write it off on your taxes. Well, you donate it and you write it off on your Schedule A, which means it's it reduces your federal tax burden. Yeah. But if you if you send it directly to the charity from the IRA after you're 70 and a half, you do not pay federal or state taxes on that money, which means you put it in pre-tax, it grew tax deferred, and it came out 100% tax-free to a charitable organization. But see, now you're missing the best part. Oh, tell me. Tell so me. by not counting that IRA money coming out to you and then going to the charity, if it goes straight to the charity... You're reducing your income on your tax return, which also could have an impact on how much of your Social Security gets counted. No, no, wait, wait, wait. So you start getting a double whammy in your favor. I'm not reducing my income. I'm just not increasing it. Oh, technicality. (laughs) Come on, Joshy. Hey, but just for the record, that was 26 seconds, maybe even 22. Uh, even with yeah, Kevin. Yeah, but we're still in bonus time no, here. No. So. Okay, but you can use your required minimum distribution to do this, okay? So even though you can't do a Roth conversion of your required minimum distribution, you can do a QCD of your RMD. Yeah, and, and just a couple of strategies. Some folks... That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you like I using. pulled that off. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. So listen, some folks... So, so basically what you're doing is you're looking... Because let's talk about a couple of strategies. One is do a qualified charitable distribution with my required minimum distribution, QCD, RMD, okay? So that is one of the strategies. Some folks do that at the end of the year and say, hey, here's a chunk of money, and I'm sending it directly to this organization. Some folks say, well, listen, I'm on a monthly giving program to my church, and that's how I like to do it. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. We'll set it up for you. Yeah. You you give that money every month, ka-ching, 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 to your church, and the sweet thing is you don't pay federal or state taxes on it. The other thing, if you say, wait a minute, I'm not yet 70 and a half, but I want to get in on the fun. Here's what you can do. Look at your portfolio. Do you have any highly appreciated assets? And we've gotten into the habit of using donor-advised funds because it's really slick and easy. You say, hey, I've got this holding. It's worth $50,000. And I and I sold a house this year. I had a, an event where my tax bill is going to be higher. You take your highly appreciated holding, put it in the donor advised fund. You deduct the entire value of that holding. And then you sell it within the donor advised fund 
for no tax consequence, and then you decide when and how you want to give that money away. Okay, yeah, so this, this strategy, though, that Kevin's referring to, this is uh, stocks or other investments that you hold outside of your IRA, outside of a Roth IRA, that sort of thing. We refer to these as taxable investments or even non-qualified investments if we were really getting into the jargon. And just really quick, if you say, well, wait, 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 I, that, that's highly appreciated investment, I like that one. That's the good one. I don't want to give that one away. Well, then you use cash and buy it back. You just mm-hmm. increased your basis there. Okay, really quick, guys. Um, and that is, and, and Mike is moving quickly past that beautiful strategy, but I'm going to say it again. You donate your highly appreciate your Apple stock that you have basically no basis in that you just love so much. And then you take the $50,000 that you would have written a check to the church with and buy. $50,000 of Apple stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you're you just replacing it. You're playing the shell game. Give away the stock that has an IOU to the government attached to it and buy some new clean stock that has no IOU attached to it. I want to go deeper with a special Indiana tax, but we're going to come back to it. Okay. So the fourth thing that you've got to consider this year before the end of the year is if you're planning on funding an HSA for tax year 2021, you're not sure how much you need to do. You might do it in the spring because that's fine. You can fund it all the way up until your tax filing deadline, but you got to have an HSA account open this year. So get that HSA open. You're just buying yourself time to fund it later on. Yeah. You know, may- maybe you even use some tax refund dollars in the spring to fund your HSA for the prior year, 2021. Yeah. That strategy can work. I like funding my HSA inside the ta- the calendar year because I have seen banks notoriously get this wrong. You go in and you make a contribution. They don't even ask you if it's for the previous year. Or even if you tell them it was for the previous year, they then don't give you the right tax form, and then you've got a huge mess on your hands with the IRS. So I like funding it before the end of the year, and so you might want to as well. Just know that the deadline is your tax filing deadline, but you still have to have an HSA open in that calendar year. Yeah, and keep in mind, this is not a strategy that's universal – Uh, for everyone. You have to be eligible to contribute to an HSA. And the way that you're eligible is by being a participant in a a, uh, health insurance plan that is high deductible and is HSA eligible. It has to meet certain requirements to open up this strategy for you. I was looking on the Affordable Care Act, healthcare.gov, and there's a lot of those plans that are high deductible that are not not HSA qualified. Yeah. I mean, like some that I had to stop myself. I'm like, okay, $7,000 deductible. Okay, that's HSA eligible. It's not. Hmm. It's not. So, yeah, that's not a relative Be term. Be careful. And if you, ha- if you have a plan through work that is a high deductible health plan that's HSA eligible, you can write a check at the end of the year. You can write a check up to up to April 15th. Mm-hmm. Is it April 15th or tax filing? Uh, Let's just go with April 15th. Yeah, get, get her done by then. So you can write a check up to April 15th of the following year. That's not the best way to do it. If if you are able to, the way you want to do it is via payroll deduction. Yeah. Because if you do it via payroll deduction, you do not pay your half, the employee half of uh, FICA and Medicare. Mm-hmm. The employer doesn't pay it either, by the way. So, right? Right. Goodies there. So, anyway. Yeah, well, that's not a bad thing. And if you, you got to watch it if you own more than 2% of anything yeah. so okay real quick let's sneak in this fifth one here and that is contribute to a 529 plan now in indiana which is where our headquarters is uh we've got an unbelievable state tax credit the best but 
even if you live in a different state, if there's a state tax benefit, the deadline is still before the end of the year, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm just telling you right now, supply chain issues, not a factor. However, uh, labor shortage yeah. is a factor, Good okay? Point. So don't just mail this check in on the 31st and assume that it'll be uh. okay. Um, we're telling folks, hey, get the check to us. I don't need, actually, I don't even want the check. Let's set up an, ex, an electronic funds transfer so that you can automatically transfer the money directly into your 529 plan. And if you're going to give us a check, you better give it to us before the 15th Good yeah. of December. Nice. That's great. Yeah, so. yeah we, we have, if, if you're curious, call the office. We've got some nightmare stories that we can tell you <laughs> about the last minute contributors that uh, made their life fairly miserable because. Uh, we're dealing. We're still dealing with one from last year. All right. Okay. We got more to hit coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right. What are the additional items that you need to do in your finances before the end of the year, uh, before the deadline, so that you don't miss out on any tax planning opportunities? We're helping you with that right now. This is. What, did I mess something up, Kevin? No, 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 you're good. I'm just trying to think three or four. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll come back to it. Uh, All right, Uh, this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. The confusing voice over there was Kevin Corhorn. Between us, Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything on the Wise Money Show, thank goodness there's the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Search, uh, Go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it there. All right, let's circle back here. So we, we've we said we're, there's five, the top five items that you need to consider taking action on in your finances before the end of the year. And the first one was Roth conversion. And we didn't say, oh, if that sounds neat, go ahead and do it. We said, if it sounds like it might make sense, run to your CFP and do some planning to make sure it makes sense and that you do it wisely. Second, don't forget to take your RMD this year, your required minimum distribution. Make sure you make a donation of cash to charity. And there's lots more that we're going to get into there in just a second. Um, Open your HSA if you plan on funding one for this tax year, and then contribute to a 529 plan before, well before the end of the year to get your state benefits. There is a little bit of cleanup work we need to do on some of those before we get into any additional above that top five. Josh, let's go back to those donations. There's a special charitable donation in the state of Indiana mm-hmm. when it comes to, to colleges and universities. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's quite an incentive that's been created to support a, a local college or university in this state. And it basically says that the first $200 that um, any taxpayer contributes to a, a college or university is going to get a 50% credit on your tax return. And that's per spouse. So if, if you're filing a joint tax return, you can do two of these. So it's the first $400 that you can get this 50% credit. Now, what does that mean? A 50% credit means that half of the dollars that you give to that school, you're going to get back as a an eraser of, uh, of tax dollars on your actual tax return. So you basically give $400 as a married couple, you get 200 back. So it costs you a couple hundred to give 400 worth of economic benefit to the school or, or university or whatever. Now, what about, what if that 400 is part of the $600 that you get for the yeah, that, that's what makes this extra special because if this is the, the primary gift that you're going to give to a charity for the, the year, 
everything I just talked about was on your state tax return. There are some goodies that you can have on your uh, federal return as well, because that $400, if, if you're writing a check to the school, um, it's going to qualify you for a deduction that's different than a credit, but a deduction on your federal return. And so if you're in a higher tax bracket, you know, you could save 22 or 24% on that money at the federal level as well. So, so do that math. All of a sudden, you know, maybe it costs you a hundred bucks to give $400 to the college or university. I love that multiplying effect where you get more bang for the buck by being generous. You know, one other thing to consider here, we're talking about Indiana. I'm pretty sure Indiana is going to have you add back that $600. No, they won't. They won't. Oh, I was going to say, so that $300, this universal charitable uh, deduction last year wasn't 600 it was 300 mm-hmm. And where was it on your tax return? It was actually before you got to your adjusted gross income. And many states added it back so that they could tax it because they're like, listen, hey, Congress, us states don't have all this money. By the way, you don't either. And so we're not going to give people this deduction. They added it back. Well, this year, when they kind of showed us what the 1040, the tax return is going to look like in advance, uh, they moved where that deduction is. And it's now below the line, what they call it. So after your adjusted gross income. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. Good stuff. Um, any other giving strategies? Because gifts need to be done by 1231. There's, there, there isn't a, like there is with IRAs and Roths where you can contribute up to your tax filing deadline. N- no such uh, extension with gifts. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking of a situation that I was just meeting with some clients and we earlier in the show we mentioned giving strategies take highly appreciated assets not not retirement assets but outside of your retirement plan take those highly appreciated assets gift them either directly to a charity or gift them to your donor advised fund sell them there and then uh, make the gifts but the 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 credit for putting the, the for giving, if you're using a donor advised fund is when the money goes into the fund itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I get that money into the fund itself before the end of the year, I get the credit this calendar year. Yeah. The, the thing that uh, if you say, well, wait a minute, I'm not charitably inclined or, hey, I'm already doing tons of charitable stuff, but I do have some highly appreciated assets. What should I consider? Here's something that you may want to consider. And I was just working, helping a client do this. They said, hey, charity starts at home, which hopefully all of our parents are listening. Mom and dad, (laughs) charity starts at home. So anyway, so charity starts at home. So they said, hey, here's here's the thing. We want to give our kids some money. And I'm like, well, take these highly appreciated assets and gift those to the children because the children pay no capital gains taxes in their current situation. Mm -hmm. So people... This is the fascinating thing to me as we we work with really we work with the people that make this country work and make this country great. And they are they are hardworking heart and soul of the country. Uh, Right. Yeah. Love it. And Mm -hmm. and they're and they're very, very, very good at what they do. Um, But in spite of being uh, nearly genius at what they do. These financial concepts don't make any sense, and they don't make any sense because of the way that they've been created and, and drafted, and, mm-hmm. and you can't get there from here. You just have to know how they work. So you sit down and you explain these, these very complex 
concepts to folks, and they're like, wait, why does it even work like that? Yeah. But most folks, <laughs> most folks are confident as soon as they sell their house, they're going to pay taxes. Well, actually, if you've lived there for two out of the last five years, you're not, and it's your prim- as a primary resident, you're not likely not going to pay taxes. And, and so the thing is, y- you can sell stuff and not pay taxes. You want to know what stuff you can sell and not pay taxes, and actually, who should be selling it? Because if I'm giving money to my kids because they're saying, hey, I gotta pay, the, my kids gotta pay tuition, so I'm writing a check out of my checking account, well, wait a minute. If you've got that Apple stock over there that's super highly appreciated, gift it to your child, have them sell it, and write the check for tuition. Work with your CFP on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. that that's, that's not blanket advice to everyone. No, no, I, so. I, I don't give advice about blankets or anything else uh, on this show. <laughs> but I, I it, it is, it's, it is. This is complicated stuff, oh, yeah. and it's interesting because I was, I was working with an attorney, and he was suggesting, well, they should work with their CPA. I, I love CPAs. Nothing against the CPAs, um, but their CPAs, most of them are into compliance. Right. Yeah, and so they're not thinking outside the box. They're not they're not creative. They're they're rule followers, which is awesome cuz I want an extreme rule follower to do my tax return. Yeah, yes. sure. Cuz I don't want any nasty grams in the mail saying, "Hey, you failed to do this." Uh, but I might not want an extreme rule follower to look at all the possible opportunities and recommend which ones I should pursue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that's, that's typically not the CPA's gifting. Um, okay, let's hit some other items that you've got to consider outside of these top five. Other items you've got to consider taking action on in your finances before the end of the year. Well, Kevin just uh, essentially referred to some folks when they sell investments that have run up in value, they're going to pay no taxes. On those. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're referring to capital gains. So if you sell something at a profit because you can sell it for more than you bought it for, there's some income that gets created when you uh, liquidate that investment. And the, the question of how much of a tax bite does the government take during, during that transaction, it all depends on what income or, or tax bracket you fall into. And if you're in a low enough tax bracket, this could be a strategy for you to Go ahead and sell some stuff now, pay no taxes, and then do something really smart with the money. It could be to buy back into some other investments. It, it could be to use it to live off of. Um, th- this is where your, your financial plan comes into play. What, what's the best thing I can do with those proceeds? But you have to decide whether or not to even generate those proceeds before the end of the year because you would want that tax transaction to happen in this calendar year. Yeah, right. Right, right. So looking through your non-IRA, non-Roth IRA, non-tax shelter, whether that's a trust account, a joint account, individual, looking at your holdings saying, all right, which of these have gains? Which of them might have losses? That's right. The opposite might be true for some people. It's very interesting how the market has been moving this year. Um, and, And yet international markets, emerging markets, bond funds, you might actually have a capital loss in your bond funds this year. Uh, versus a capital gain, which, by the way, you've experienced for 40 years. That's not how bonds work. That's not normal. You might actually have a loss this year. You might be able to harvest some losses. Um, another deadline uh, that you've got to consider this year is paying paying taxes through withholdings. Um, if you suddenly find yourself where you're going to owe some taxes, you might want to consider, gosh, do this with your CFP, though. 
taking a withdrawal from your IRA, withholding all of it. So you send those taxes in via a withholding as opposed to estimates. Um, and then take the cash that you were going to send in to the IRS and put it back in your IRA within 60 days as a 60-day as a rollover. Well, why wouldn't I just do the estimate? Well, if you haven't been paying estimates all along the way, then just paying one big one at the end, you might have a penalty still. And versus if you pay all your taxes in through withholdings, you didn't have to do those all throughout the year. You can just do it in one foul swoop, as they say. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I just think it's a fail swoop. Oh, not a foul swoop. Oh. Fail swoop. One, one fail swoop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think we better ask the Google. Um, l- let me give you another one that I, I was actually uh, just helping a client earlier this week with some year end planning and. He is a, a big income business owner who um, settled a score. Did you find it? One fell swoop. One fell swoop. Gosh. That's what I said. That's what I said. That's what I said as well. It's not one fail swoop. <laughs> it's not one foul, foul swoop. swoop. Although it's that sort of makes sense. Fell, fell swoop. swoop. All right. All right. You are smarter and wiser because of, of that little exchange. Uh, so back to the, uh, the topic at hand here. So small business owner who is having a fantastic year. Yeah. And one of the most important write-offs for the business owner is something called a qualified business income deduction. It's up to 20% of your profits for the year. This could be a huge write-off for some people. But the problem is, if your income gets so high, you actually could get limited on what you can write off because you have to optimize your wages and the profits. And there's kind of a convoluted calculation and you got to work your way into how much should you be paying yourself? And we ended up bonusing him a large amount at the end of the year here, just so he could get a major deduction that otherwise was going to expire. So I'm just going to say stick around on YouTube for some bonus content right after this show is over. All right. Well, hey, that's good stuff. And listen, there's there's even more than that. So if I could just share with you, do tax planning. That's the action step you've got to take before the end of the year. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. So I was just thinking, you know, you're talking about the $600 sweater. I was thinking about the $8 underwear that Bill Clinton donated. Oh, yeah, jeez. <laughs> Yes, well, I mean, so he he valued his underwear, his used underwear, at eight dollars a pair, wow. and I'm sitting here going, so you're gonna take your color coded and and holy underwear and donate them to to Doug on Goodwill and value them for probably more than you paid for them. I mean, but it, but this isn't speculation. Like no, 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 it is, happened. It I, happened. I, I yeah, saw, no, no, no. I, I, yeah, it's, it's spectacular. I saw the document as well. But, yeah. And it, with inflation, geez, Bill Clinton's underwear today would be six hundred bucks. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, that was how how long ago? <laughs>